We've been traveling from state to state And I don't understand what they say Three thousand years with no place to be And them want me to give up my milk and honey Don't you see? It's not about the land or the sea Not the country but the dwelling of his majesty Jerusalem, if I forget you Jerusalem, if I forget you Let my right hand forget what it's supposed to do Jerusalem, if I forget you Why are the guns come from me, son? Jerusalem, if I forget you Temple and the crown of glory Years gone by about 60 Burned in the cabin in the century And I guess try to choke But they couldn't choke me I'm not lying down I will not fall asleep And I'm come overseas Yes, they're trying to be free Erase the demons out of our memory Change your name And your identity Afraid of the truth And our dark history Why is everybody always chasing me? Turn up the roots of your family tree Don't you know?
different different stuff like that. So trying to get the chat loaded here. And then I'll bring my brothers on. Let me just do that. All right, should have uh, Matthew and Tim's on. Are you guys on? Yep, yep, yep. Hey, how's it going? It is going very well. It is going very well in this house, indeed. Awesome. Good to hear, good to hear. Uh, We got you, Tim? Yep, I'm here. All right, awesome. Um, We've been been trying to set this up since last week. get back in the saddle, get a little uh, chit-chat going about what's catching our eye, a little chit-chat going about what we've been reading in the Bible, Uh, lots of stuff going on in the news, lots of prophetic stuff, Um, and I don't know about you guys, but it seems I, I can't open the Bible without just getting a flood of information. Um... I get information from Tim. I get information from Matthew, from my brother John Sartwell, from my brother Brian, and it's just a uh, it's a flood of information. And you know, it seems like I've got multiple studies going on, multiple things that I need to to look into, uh, and it's all it's all pertinent. It's all alive and late breaking. So I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but that's that's how I feel. Yeah, I I, okay. I would uh I would definitely agree with that. Um I'm not sure if people realize this, but the last couple of weeks there's been a lot of talk about all the starvation that's occurring uh there in Syria. And uh, when I first saw it in the news I was immediately drawn to the Old Testament there in Kings, um, when those events were were happening, um, I mean we're seeing we're seeing prophecy unfold right before our eyes. If you if you can actually see it, Matthew, would you would you agree with Tim? That that's a that's an accurate statement. At a staggering that rate, with, I certainly would. That goes without saying, right? At a at a staggering rate, yeah, that that goes without saying. So I know, um, Tim's, you've been giving me a little bit of info here lately, um, as far as what's going on in the markets, and it's it's stuff that we've already talked about. Uh, we've covered lightly on this show and covered it more in depth on on private conversations um and you know we can get as deep into that as we want to um uh, more more as of a a wake up call than anything cuz i mean we we've been saying since the beginning that that's not where our treasure lies in those markets and in those currencies that that are floating around there but we understand that any shakeup in those areas is going to cause people to start looking for answers. And, and that's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to try to provide to, to really remind people where their treasure is supposed to be. Remind people how it is that they are to go and, and buy that oil that they need in their lamps uh, when the bridegroom comes calling. So Tim's, if you want to, if you want to touch a little bit of that, I know you, we, we shared some stuff privately. If you want to, 
you know, share your thoughts on that matter, all the all the shakeup that's been happening here since the beginning of the year as far as the uh, the world markets are concerned. Well, I'd say um, <clears throat> going back to last June, we did the, the show on the markets at that time, and we talked about the emergence of uh, virtual currencies. We talked about the situation in Greece. We talked about a number of different things, and at that moment in time, when we uh, brought everyone's attention to it, uh, that was literally around the high uh, of where the market has been in the past year. The S&P was around a little over 2,100, and we advised people that uh, that was going to change, not that we are uh, finance people in the sense that we are licensed professionals that are giving out financial advice, uh, but just as a matter of uh, curiosity or just something that, that we can see because, uh, well, the Lord doesn't do anything before he first tells his servants. And uh, the market proceeded to tumble. Um, it wasn't even two months later that the market was down um, to around 1898. It had lost about 10% of its value. And then the market rebounded through the fall, which most people were saying the market would would tank at that time. Um, it rebounded and it has crashed again since then. And, and the fundamentals in the market are uh, deteriorating. Uh, oil today is trading at around $30 a barrel. Um, and it's that has repercussions, not just for the oil and gas industry, it has repercussions for um, the finance industry, because they're the ones that made the loans to the oil producers to do what they're doing. Um, and there's a lot of other industries that are hurt by that. Um, in that same time, uh, Bitcoin, which we talked about on that show, um, it uh, improved in price by about 50%. Um, there's been some things that have happened behind the scenes. Um, the price has come down a little bit with Bitcoin, but largely that has been driven by um, an attempt by the banks to uh, undermine that that particular currency. Uh, one of the lead developers of Bitcoin uh, left when Bitcoin was trading just under $500 and said some nasty things about the currency and it, it fell. It lost about 20% of its value, but most of that has been recovered since then. So there's been a number of things that have happened uh, in the financial markets, and I guess if we want to, we can talk about it. Not, not that I really care, um, but um, it's just interesting that uh, we were right there telling people before it, before it happened um, what was going to happen. Well, right. I mean, we we don't need to get into it too in depth into that. It just takes a little bit of reading in the news to see to see what's shaken out there. Um, you know, our concern is more about what what the Bible says, what God's word says. Um, I can give you a, a report from a, a friend of mine who lives in Alaska. Um, he's told me that the state government up there is now talking about, you know, implementing an income tax and adding this tax and that tax, all to make up for the shortfall that they're seeing from the low oil prices. Um, they're not getting the subsidies that they're used to getting. Um, and that's the same thing that I noticed that we're seeing in the government of Saudi Arabia. Um, they're talking yep. about char charging their customers or charging their, their citizens now for oil for other stuff that was subsidized. And, you know, that, that has implications there in, in that area in the Middle East if um, 
if that government was supposed to have trouble because they're they're uh, suffering financially. Um, we know that ISIS is all everywhere in there and, and is looking for any opportunity to, um, you know, usurp the the any of the kingdoms there in the Middle East. You've got Iran as a major player in the mix that, of course, would uh, would probably love to um, take over stewardship of Mecca uh, out of the Saudis' hands. So you've got all these all these things that are in the mix, um, and the, and we're just kind of seeing it play out right now in front of us. Uh, Matthew, your your thoughts on on those implications there for the Saudi government, the uh, the troubles they're going through currently. Well, none of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. Look, this this all started by the Saudis. Okay, we uh, talked about it many times that back on June 6, 2015, uh, they'd already had massive problems because uh, they had voted six months before to leave the spigots open at full blast. Everybody, everybody knew they were going to reduce production. Well, because that was the only logical thing to do, was to reduce production. That's exactly the opposite thing they did. And this is when this whole thing started, was on June the 6th. They voted to leave the spigots on full blast, thereby crushing the price of oil. Now, uh, what bothers me is that uh, everybody fails to realize that uh, then we have a magical event. It happened on uh, a bank holiday, of course. Uh, it was that very day uh, that the uh, Western uh, powers uh, unleashed uh, 500,000 Iranian barrels of oil on the market per day. So, in the midst of this, uh, magically, uh, the Saudis come out and say that uh, they're not ruling out the nuclear bomb option against Iran for flooding the world market with oil. So, absolutely nothing at this present moment makes sense, even on our own shores. Take note, Jose, that... Uh, I know I was the first one to tell anybody about it, but here uh, in the uh, Bakken uh, oil field, they had just released all the restrictions that were put on uh, the Bakken oil field back in the 70s. I told everybody uh, that uh, the Secretary uh, of Energy was here. Uh, they came here. They did this pretty quietly. It didn't make uh, CNN news headlines. Uh, so this happened all right at the same exact time back in June. The part that nobody wants to accept is <laughs> is that none of these decisions have made sense, not any of them. Well, and I'll bear some witness to that. <clears throat> the uh, Walmart just came out at the first of the year and announced that they were going to close, I believe, 269 stores across the United States. Um, and, of course, the, the reason that they're doing that is is because the stores 
are losing money. That is to say that to operate the stores, if they put a dollar into operating that store, they might get back 80 cents. When you're in business, every dollar that you put into your operation, you need to make a dollar twenty, a dollar thirty. It needs to be something north of a dollar. If you're not covering that dollar, you're losing money. You don't continue in that operations. Um, that's that's what would be a a rational decision, right? Well, what Saudi Arabia is doing, <clears throat> in effect, is they are behaving irrationally. They are investing a dollar into oil to get back sixty cents or maybe 40 cents or maybe even 30 cents that doesn't make any sense you would never do that i mean jose if you if if you and your wife were spending let's say your wife worked and she was making five dollars an hour and you had young kids and it cost you two thousand dollars a month so that your wife could go to work to make five dollars an hour and you were spending two thousand dollars a month in daycare you would tell your wife, you would say, honey, just stay home. It costs more money for you to go and make this $5 an hour than what we would be able to save if you just stayed home and took care of the kids. You would never make that right. decision because, number one, you right. couldn't afford to, and number two, it just it doesn't make any sense. But that's exactly what the Saudis are, are doing. They're doing something which doesn't make any sense. Well, I, and the problem I made the with comment. that is, I'm sorry, Jose, go ahead. Well, let me just say, Matthew, real quick. I made the comment earlier um, when when this started happening, when I saw Saudi Arabia not lowering their output, I made the comment that this reminded me of when the Soviet Union collapsed and what the Saudis were instrumental in that part was, again, dropping the price of oil so that the, the Soviet economy would crash and then they'd come in, and, and then they, of course, proceeded to raise the prices after that. But they've always had that 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 ability to just simply um, lower production, and you'd force the price wrap right back up, which is what should be the obvious thing to do at this point, especially if they're hemorrhaging money like that. Um, but but what, what Matthew and what Thames have said already is that they're not doing that. That's not... Uh, that's not one of their options that they're choosing. So, you know, there's got to be, you know, a, a, a much more grimmer picture that they're facing that they're choosing to go to go that route, Matthew. Well, it's it's funny you should say that. Uh, there must be something else. There must be some other reason. Tim and I just talked about that privately. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is what should have been done. OPEC should have got together first off with the Bakken oil field, and they should have told them to hold on, letting exports out of here. Remember, we haven't had exports out of here uh, since the 70s, since the 70s, or, well, let's just say this, since the last time. Number two, the Saudis should have been instructed, hey, um, the Iranians continue to pump oil, and they continue to store it, and they're storing it in mass quantities. So on June 6th, any business manager, any, any person that has any working knowledge of the 
elementary principle of supply and demand would have instructed OPEC to uh, then, of course, uh, seriously reduce their output of oil. Knowing that these sanctions had a deadline. Knowing full well that the Iranians themselves were taking absolutely uh, no actions uh, to secure uh, their manufacture of an atomic weapon. So, look, ladies and gentlemen, you can only come to one logical conclusion. That the agenda that they're following, the business model they have in mind, you're not even bringing into your field of vision. You can't see it. You think for some strange reason this has all to do with the price of oil when, ladies and gentlemen, they always controlled that since the beginning. Before any of these events happened. So with that in mind, Jose, <clears throat> they are following a plan. The problem with the entire world is a simple fact that to them, the plan that they should be executing is exactly opposite of what they're doing. So just using basic elementary principles that you use in elementary school when you're taught about problem-solving skills, the adult population in the Western powers refuses to see what's right in front of their face. They're not following that business plan. They're following a different plan that you can't even perceive in your mind because to you, it doesn't make any sense. Now, well, I'm, I'm going to ratchet that up. Forgive me for interrupting, but in the backdrop of all this, to confuse the, the listener even more, way back all the way 10 years ago, the International Energy Agency was saying that well, the, a report was released that we were at peak oil. And what that means is is that <clears throat> there's a curve related to production, meaning if I invest a dollar to go and find energy reserves, then I've got to be able to at least get something north of a dollar back out of that reserve. Otherwise, it didn't make sense to, to pump that oil. When you hit peak oil, that means that from that point on, every dollar that you put into oil exploration, every dollar that you put into getting oil out of the ground, you're going to get something less than a dollar out. And they've known that since 2006. So if you know that oil is costing more to get out of the ground and that all of the peak uh, areas of capacity have been discovered – or the cost and the R&D associated with getting oil out of the ground is only, only going to get more expensive, you would not continue to pull it out of the ground under those auspices with more supply coming on board from someone who's been restricted unless you knew something that 
we just don't know. And it's that simple. You just kind of, you just kind of sitting here waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's really, that's really where we're at. Uh, you see, you see, one shoe come down now. Or when's the other one coming down? Well, right. Being the only thing I can think of, <clears throat> and well, Matthew and I spoke about this privately. But the only reason you would continue to pump oil out of the ground at a loss is if there was some other. Uh, factor or consideration that uh, wasn't being considered, and it would have to largely do with time. I bet you just can the only other factor, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's the only other factor remaining. Well, let's let's just breach this topic, this 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 topic, just for a second. Tim's last week, he sent me an article about um, this seven-year cycle. So I thought to myself, no problem, I'll do a little search on it. Oh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, In the strangest of places, places that have absolutely nothing to do with the Bible, (laughs) okay, okay, the one that I saw that was done just impeccably uh, was the one on MoneyMaster.com. Uh, he has a part one and two over there. Goes into great, fantastic detail. Of course, just do yourself this. Just put in there stock market, uh, seven-year cycle, and just do an image search. See, that's what I do. I want the facts. I really don't care what your opinions might be. The best way to do that is show me the charts. I want the hard data. That's what I want. You give me the charts, I can just process the information myself. And that's what these gentlemen have done. And like I said, more than one a professional financier has written up articles about this very fact. So, ladies and gentlemen, you're daft. You have some loose screws in your head if you have yourself deceived in the simple fact that they didn't know this before Zero Hedge or before uh, Money Master. I mean, they've proven to you. The one article was amazing. It just went forward in seven-year increments from 1967. Now, if you're not a Christian, that number that I just said, it doesn't affect you at all. But you all should know, having been listening to our broadcast, that the Brian and I displayed to the whole world that the Blood Moon Tetrad, as they all called it, that's not what the Brian and I called it. That's not what I called it for over 20 years. It was the Blood Moon Jubilee because it started in 1966. We had that Tetrad. And, of course, this one was the other parentheses around 2015, which ended that Jubilee cycle. So the Jubilee began with the Tetrad, and it ended with the Tetrad. You go forward seven years, you walk right into the 1973 war with the oil embargo. And the article just did your steps, of course. Uh, then you run into uh, when the Hunt brothers had to be stopped because they cornered the market on silver. That was a part of that seven-year cycle. So, ladies and gentlemen… 
to even suggest that uh, the DECA power that runs this place, and let us remember that they issued the Club of Rome map in 1973 during the oil embargo. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this had been planned since at least 1973. We're all the last to find out. I mean, uh, Thames has told me that this uh, this zero hedge is of top-notch quality. They they uh, actually have weight in the information industry. Now, they just published this on this seven-year cycle. Right. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you you are forced to come to this conclusion that if Zero Hedge got the information so late in the game, no one understand this. They knew this for decades. This was planned. So now we go back to when the Secretary of Energy and the Secretary yada 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 showed up in North Dakota. I shared with everybody, and I and I love the emails I got. We can't find that in the news. So I was having to send them articles from the North Dakota newspapers. They couldn't believe it. But what do you mean they lifted your restriction to export oil? They couldn't have did that. Well, yeah, they did do that. And come June the 6th, uh, the Saudis did leave the spigots open. And I'm telling you that that had been in plan for at least seven years. I mean, if you think they don't plan the week ahead... I mean, you need to uh, give them a little bit more credit than you do. Well, I'm going to I'm going to be a little bit offensive here, um, and forgive me for interrupting. But when do you think a Bible believing, Bible reading person knew about a seven year cycle? Because any Bible believing person who's even bothered to read the first book of the Bible knows about a seven year cycle. We talked about it in June. That wasn't when we discovered it, but that was when we, we came out and talked about it. I mean, it's in the news right now, but a Bible-believing person isn't caught unawares because your father has told you everything that he's going to do beforehand. And it's not on Twitter, and it's not on Facebook or any of the other things. He's told you in his book that he wrote thousands of years ago everything that is going to happen, everything that has happened, and everything that is happening. I didn't need to go to the news to figure out any of that out. I just need to spend time with my Lord. And you know what? You didn't need to do any of that either. You just got to spend time with him. Is that too rough? Well, um, the only thing I would hope is that you would give me your best shot, point blank range, right square in the chest. That's that's where I need it. That is where life lies. That's 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 where. Life is. Life is in the 
uh, harsh reality of the children of God sharpening each other's iron. That's that's the way it is. That's the way he himself puts it, even as iron sharpens iron. So it is absolutely detrimental to my life that you give me what I need to hear, center mass, as close to the target as possible. Of course, we call that point-blank range. That range is, of course, the distance by which you'll get powder burns from the shock wave from the barrel. So, uh, you cannot give me this information too harshly. That is impossible. Because uh, sometimes... (laughs) when we have wandered from the straight and narrow, well, it takes a mighty blast to get you back on track. Well, amen. And the flip side of that is that if you are familiar with that seven-year cycle, which is written about beautifully there in the first book of the Bible, uh, I'm sorry, the second book of the Bible, uh, first book of the Bible, over and over again, third book of the Bible, over and over again. If you are familiar with that seven-year cycle, you're familiar with the rest of the story because he told you what? He said that the thin and the scraggly ones, they swallowed up what? They swallowed up the healthy ones, the fat ones. And isn't that what he told you? Didn't he say that the meek were going to inherit the earth? Didn't he say that the wealth of the wicked was stored up for the righteous? And... In that, when all of this turmoil is going on, you are not moved by it because you realize that all of these things, all of these machinations, what's happening in Davos this week, all of that stuff that they are trying to do, the traps that they're trying to set, uh, that David went into such great lengths to talk about there in the Psalms, you recognize that they're going to be caught in their own snare. And it doesn't concern you. It doesn't bother you. You don't care about it so much because you can... Rest easy on his promises. I mean, we're not going to have an easy life. I mean, I know you can walk into a Christian bookstore and find a thousand books on abundant Christian living. But the reality is, is that when Jacob stood there before Pharaoh and was asked about the days of his sojourning, he didn't have a lot of good stories to talk about. He didn't describe it as being abundant living. That's not the way he described it. And that's not what we're promised. Not right now. But in the fullness of time, you won't even remember the difficulties and the sufferings that you've joined in. But you can't even hang on that if you never took the time to even understand what his promises were in the first place. You have spoken wisely. And, you know, I've had several conversations. Jose, did you want to say something? I'm sorry, did I? Nope, go Um, Go ahead, Matthew, then I'll I'll interject afterwards. Well, I've had several conversations privately where people got extremely mad at me. Um, I, I, I mean, I've gotten several four or five page 
uh, correspondence from people because I got they got mad at at Brian and I whenever we said, well, we should be looking for a Joseph event. Amen. Because there were seven years of plenty. I don't care what you say. I really don't. When you have uh, my financial system, okay, because no matter what, the fa- the, the the food that my family ate tonight, uh, tonight was bought with the banker's money, with that system. And that system was given uh, at this point in time. I don't even know how much, but I remember the original number was uh, $7 billion for the bailout. Now look, if that's not seven years of plenty, I don't know what is. Do you understand? This is this this injection of cash was it was worth far more than silver or gold or wheat or any commodity because you understand it was for free. They printed it. It was it was at no cost to anybody. It was free. We have been living since that banker bailout occurred. I'm sorry to put it to you like this, but I'm not lying to you. Ladies and gentlemen, you should have been thrown headlong into extreme financial difficulty back then. But in order to save you and I's comfort level, the powers that be printed off $7 billion to keep the economy going. And $7 billion that didn't exist before then. Tim, is is that the correct appraisal that I'm relaying, or or have I got it wrong? Um, Amen. I mean, it it was a $700 billion bailout, but you're absolutely right. And um, what people don't realize is, I mean, I know some people are thinking to themselves, well, I still lost my home. Or I still lost my job. Well, that was difficult. But what you fail to realize is is that we import everything in this country. Um, <clears throat> the insulin that you take comes from China. It's manufactured there. The drugs that you take, they're made in India. Uh, the computer that you're using, it's, it's made in China. Um, and the boats that bring those things over would not have been able to sail without bills of credit without bank guarantees and that and banks would not have been able to trust each other's guarantees without that bailout because banks at that point all thought that their other counterparty was was bankrupt and so as much as you may not like the fact that the banks got bailed out uh, back in 2008 if it hadn't happened you would not have been eating the past seven eight years it wouldn't have happened you would not have had your medications you would not have had the energy to keep your house warm in the wintertime. You would have not had the energy to keep your house cool in the summertime. You would not have had any of those things because the market or the economy would have completely shut down. And you don't know how to survive in an economy that works the way that it worked back in 1776. Most of the people listening to this broadcast do not know how to leave 
live a life that isn't reliant on their neighbor and on uh, uh, the macro economy. Most of us don't have enough land to, to farm. Most of us don't know how to hunt. Most of us don't know how to dress a wound. Most of us don't know how to deliver babies without, uh, uh, you know, a, a doctor, um, much less a heart attack or a stroke or any of these other life events that happen. So you can be upset about the bailout, and there's things I don't like about it too, but that $700 billion, um, it helped you out quite a bit. Well, don't forget also, Tim, aside from that money that was printed out, how much actual cash was being taken in by the banks around that same time frame as the bailout, actual physical cash, uh, in essence, the banks becoming money launderers for the, for the drug cartels. That was a serious injection of, of cash into those banks that the, you know, the government kind of overlooked because the banks needed money and they accepted that, you know, probably, you know, in the billions of dollars from those cartels just to keep their, keep cash in the banks. Um, I don't see that happening this time around because everyone's looking for it, but you know, how, how many banks got in trouble after the economy recovered? How many banks got in trouble for, for, for doing this type of thing? Well, you're, you're absolutely right. And if, and the $700 billion that um, was a part of the bailout that fall in 2008 um, is a very small percentage of the money that was actually um, given to the financial industry. But I, I want to say something before I forget it, that um, the other thing that happened in really in June that, that I don't hear – almost anybody talking about i know we've all talked about it privately and it's and it's on my heart uh the whole refugee situation um that that everyone was just kind of asleep to i mean i know matthew you and i we interviewed josh landis what a, a year and a half ago two years ago and talked about the situation in syria and particularly how it was affecting all of the different um uh, uh sectarian communities in that country but some, I mean, around that time, you had that boy wash up on the shore, that, that young boy, and, and it still is very emotional to me to think about that, that toddler washing up on the shore um, the way that he did. Um, but when you think about the reaction, people here in America, people in Europe, people all around the world, the reaction, the, the lack of love and compassion uh, that people have, it's 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 really amazing to me um that is the other thing that it that, that's a huge news story in my mind well it should be a big news story in our hearts uh because well it's it's no secret that that banker bailed out. Uh, that that banker bailout. I'm sorry, I had the number wrong off by a hundred. I guess seven hundred billion. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's already been on the news that it was that exact bailout that was used to finance ISIS. 
I mean, we were obviously targeting hospitals, weddings, with surgical strikes. Precision, high-explosive munitions was just... I mean, I remember the one that we just did uh, here pretty recently. We hit a hospital and took out, you know, 135 uh, people. Surgical strike. So, um, nobody wants to think about that, that it was that bailout money. When when you start putting two and two together, just all that that money has has been used for. I mean, Jose brings up the cartel. Now I throw this in, and, and this is just the beginning. It's it's just the beginning. Uh, because we all know <clears throat> that was not given to the American people. That, that money wasn't. That was uh, given to the bankers so that the American people could maintain their lifestyle. Could maintain... Uh, their, uh, well, their quality of life. And it was at everybody's expense. I mean, Jose brings up the Mexican people. I bring up the Syrian people, but that's that's just two, ladies and gentlemen. All of this bloodshed has been in the name of you. You, the person listening to me. It's been so you could maintain your quality of life at the cost of theirs. Whether you like it or not, that that is true. Now... The size of this thing is overwhelming because we're really not even hardly touching it. Because, uh, ladies and gentlemen, everything is off the charts. I mean, you do know that 2015, it's, it's already been released. The numbers are out, but 2015 was the hottest year since the inception of the temperature record. Uh, we just had, um, like on two separate beaches, like 800 uh, sea turtles wash up dead. We've had on the order of 10,000 squid wash up dead. A few days go by, massive amounts of sperm whales wash up, and at least we know why they're dead, because... Uh, they cut their carcasses open and their bellies were empty. So uh, we have no doubt about what has killed the sperm whales. They starved to death. You know, uh, the sperm whale is a wonder of God. Um, how 
they can dive straight to the challenger deep solely because of the valves and check system in their circulatory system. It's absolutely wondrous. It, it, it is wondrous what the sperm whale can do. How he was designed with God's glory. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And the information financially we have going up uh, on right now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, look, this didn't make any sense to me. Articles hit the news that there was a week that on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the only stock to go up was Walmart. It went up 3.7 that week. Within days, within days, the only corporation on the Dow Jones Industrial Average whacked 10,000 jobs in 256 stores. Ladies and gentlemen, what do you think the other companies are doing on the Dow Jones Industrial Index? I mean, <laughs> maybe we're all thinking that we're living life in this financial situation like a dolphin. And you can compare the levels of depression that was obtained in the 30s. Oh, I think that's just about as deep as a dolphin can go. But I think we're all going to figure out really quick that this abyss is going to go down there to the Challenger Deep where only the sperm whales can dive. Well, let I would agree with mind. that. Let me oh, bring in mind, guys, that well, the plight of um, Central and South America currently going on down there. Um, Brazil just got news that you know their 2016 is going to be a worse year economically for them than 2015, and they've had it pretty rough. On top of that, the last show we did concerning the Zika virus, um, the latest figures I'm seeing now is 3,500 cases of microcephaly. Um, up about seven or eight hundred from, from when we did our last show, Matthew. And then I saw this article today come across. It says the Zika virus woman told to delay pregnancy for two years. El Salvador government suggests avoiding pregnancy until 2018 to prevent birth defects from mosquito-borne Zika virus. Public health officials in El Salvador have advised women to delay pregnancy for the next two years to prevent children from developing birth defects from the mosquito-borne Zika virus. We'd like to suggest to all the women of fertile age that they take steps to plan their pregnancies and avoid getting pregnant between this year and next. It says, um, the government decided to make the announcement after 5,397 cases a Zika virus were detected in El Salvador in 2015 and the first few days of this year. Now, guys, um, 
They're telling everyone to avoid getting pregnant for two years. And if these women were to follow that advice, their first date of conception to their date of birth for their children, that's a certain time cycle that's being involved there, a certain time cycle they're talking about, a certain amount of days that we've mentioned over and over on this program that Matthew and Brian have talked about, certain amount of days that we're supposed to be looking for in regards to biblical prophecy. So the fact, when I saw this, it it just automatically set off a bunch of flashing lights for me. Add on to that, that the government that said this was the government of El Salvador. (laughs) Do any of you know uh, what that means in English? Who that country is named after? El Salvador means the Savior in Spanish. Yep. The Christ, the Hamashiach. That's exactly what that country's name means. So, needless to say, guys, this uh, this article on top of what we talked about uh, our last show really shook me to the core. Well, I'll add that Venezuela is uh, uh, looking at hyperinflation. Uh, because they're so tied to oil. But yes, you're you're 100% right, and you you spoke about something that's even more important than the economics. <clears throat> so can you imagine the, uh, the Christian mothers in that country, what they're having to endure with their children, how much faith they have to have to stand fast in, in, in that environment right now? Well, let's just speak plainly. Most uh, of the Christians in those countries are Catholic, and Catholics largely do not believe in practicing birth control. Um, and uh, that would certainly weigh heavily on a mother. Just like like we've been saying, lots of lots of sobering articles lately in the news. Uh, everywhere you look, you can only hope, right, Matthew? You can only hope that God kicks this off, and you know. Yeah, you. Uh, let me ask you this: What was the number? Uh, that you just gave just second uh, just seconds ago. You said five thousand and nine hundred and what? Five thousand three hundred ninety seven cases of Zika. Now that's not the cases of the microcephaly, just the Zika the Zika itself, but in El Salvador. Oh my goodness. Lord have mercy. They've already they've already started, you know, reporting Incidents in Puerto Rico and in certain states in the U.S. Um, and aren't they having the the Olympics there in uh, in Brazil this summer? I have That's no idea. Add more more individuals, you know, exposed to this. Yeah, I see this one. <clears throat> 
Um, now, this is the New York Times, January 16th. Hawaiian baby with brain damage is first U.S. case tied to Zika virus. So it begins. Well, I'll say this about that. Um, you know, for a long time, I've been wondering about the increases in just the rates of autism and some of these other things around the world. And just one day it just kind of came to me, you know, if you are the Lord God in heaven and you're creating these children inside of women, and, you know, so many of them are going to end up someplace else, what a reassurement you would have if you kept some of them. The ones that are born with autism or with, you know, mental disabilities, those children, they're going to enter right into the kingdom. That might be the only thing that you could do to stand it. I mean, if you've ever been around an autistic child or a special needs child, I mean, they're the most beautiful people that you will, you'll ever meet. They're always happy. They're always, you know, they're just, they're, there's an innocence there that uh, defies their age as they get older. And I enjoy their company. And I, w I would imagine that that's what we're seeing there in the spiritual as well. What we see as a detriment is, uh, you know, it's almost perfection in God's eyes. Well, yes, because that's one that's not going to be snatched from his, you know, snatched from. Right. Almost the great, the greatest blessing you could receive. As a parent, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what I hope, Tim's right? That's what you hope for your daughter. That's what Matthew hopes for his children. Yeah. Their redemption. If we have just a little, bit, a little bit of faith. That. That we have just a little bit of faith to see that in the midst of that suffering. Yeah. It's just the thought anyways. I mean yeah. again without without those promises I don't know how you how you endure without them. And that's something I lean on. I try to see the positive in the news. So But you speaking know, of the news and the oh, no go ahead, Matthew. Well, I just wanted to know what you made of what's happening in Texas. I mean that they've pretty well come to the understanding that the banks in Texas are not foreclosing on the oil companies. How, well, you might want to explain what I'm talking about, because I'm not very well at the financial things, uh, but <clears throat> why don't you explain uh, that a little bit and how far you think that goes, whether that's just regulated to Texas, or are we talking about all of the uh, uh, American oil companies? 
Yeah, that's a great great point. Um, so last week, a very interesting article came out that you know all the banks were reporting earnings, and it's pretty public the numbers that they report. And um, you know, with the price of oil deteriorating the way that it has, um, one would expect that there would be a lot of losses attributed to um, the declining price in oil because when when a when a loan goes bad or when the security that's used to make a loan um, uh, loses its value, the bank has to put up more cash um, or they get in trouble with regulators. So think of it like like your house. If you've got a house that you owe the bank $100,000 on and suddenly um, information's presented that shows the house is only worth 50, the bank has to make up that collateral or they have a problem with the regulators. So they keep they keep money set aside for those sorts of events, and when they have to access it, it, it has a negative impact on how profitable they are. Um, and so when the banks were doing all of their reporting, um, people were looking at the numbers and saying, these numbers don't make a lot of sense because we're not seeing uh, losses or monies being set aside to cover future losses associated with the oil and gas industry. Um, at least we're not seeing it with the larger banks. With smaller institutions, we are seeing it. We're not seeing it with the larger ones. So why? And um, some reporters uh, asking questions behind the scenes have leaked that the Dallas Fed has been encouraging some of the largest banks in the in the country to not mark the assets to market, meaning don't address, no, don't uh, adjust the prices of the uh, assets that are being used to uh, secure these loans to the value uh, that they're trading at on a daily basis. Because if you do that, it's going to negatively affect um, your your profits, your earnings. Uh, it's going to have a negative impact on all across the board and have repercussions for everyone. Um, and uh, that's, that's rather uh, provocative. Because again, it, it, that's not what's happening at the local savings alone. It's only happening with the largest banks. Even regional banks, uh, the, like uh, regions, have been hurt by this phenomenon. But the largest banks, the city banks, the Bank of Americas, they're not um, they're not sharing in that same um, uh, damage the way that you would expect proportionally that that smaller institutions are. Um, so it's rather it's rather interesting. Well, you know, Tim, I, I shared that article the first day it came out. There was just one article I, f I found. I don't know if they're still being uh, published or whatever, but I made sure to, to post it on the social networking site to save it, so it is there. But this article said, ladies and gentlemen, that um, these oil companies were having to write off vast quantities come April 15th because what they had done is they paid dividends to their shareholders for wells that have not even been drilled yet. So the poor shareholders had no idea they were collecting income that was a complete and absolute lie. It was a lie. The oil could not have been gotten out of those wells. The wells hadn't even been drilled yet. Now, 
this was only one energy company that had shared that information. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care who you are. You and I both know if one of them was doing it, all of them were doing it. Right, because they all compete with each other for the same access to, to money. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, just the standard losses just because of the price of oil has fallen. No, 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 no. That's not the bad info. The bad info is that money was paid out to shareholders for oil that hadn't even been gotten out of the ground yet. So everything that Tim just shared, it's twice that bad. It's double that because these oil companies are going to have to claim a loss on all that stuff that they already paid to their shareholders. Well, it's even worse than that. Um, I think I sent you both an article earlier this week. There was an energy company that went bankrupt that had assets that were valued at close to $2 billion. And the trustee opened up the auction at $250 million and they didn't even get a single bid. Um, I mean, presently, right now, you can buy out um, the capital equipment associated with exploration, um, refine whatever all different aspects of that industry um, are selling for 10 cents on the dollar. I mean, a big, you know, $10 million bulldozer, you could buy that for about $400,000. They're just sitting idly doing nothing. Um, And why that matters to you is, is because if you have a bank that lent out a million dollars and that bulldozer was the collateral, they can't even get 40 cents on the dollar back when that company stops making the payments on that machine. They're not even going to be able to get 40 cents on the dollar back. They won't even be able to get 10 cents back on that, on those assets because no one wants them. So it's a, it's a huge problem. Well, I wish people could come to Dickinson and go to the north side of town and see the last last time I was there, I counted, uh, I think it was 26 oil rigs parked out in the field. And, of course, they look like skyscrapers. They're so big. So, ladies and gentlemen, how much do you think an oil rig costs? Because, ladies and gentlemen, you can't sell an oil rig. You can't. Um, right now here, you can uh, go buy a, 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 a million and a half dollar brand spanking new bulldozer for like $250,000, but they're just stacked knee deep. Nobody's going to pay for them. They're worthless. Nobody's going to pay that for a dozer. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) I hope you all realize this, that the only way you can obtain anything of any value is to turn over dirt. 
I mean, if you listen real intently when you're trying to go to sleep tonight, you'll hear God laugh at you because there's really only one way to get anything of value. That's to turn over dirt. I don't care if you're turning over uh, the soil to dig in or uh, turning over the soil to uh, lay water pipe, especially in your life, you know, if you're like living in, I don't know, Phoenix. Um, or if you're uh, putting in a foundation for a skyscraper, or if you're digging for diamonds, or if you're mining for coal, or if you're, uh, you know, uh, drilling for water in an aquifer, or if you're drilling for oil or natural gas. Do you get my point yet? If you're not turning over dirt, you're not obtaining nor acquiring anything of any value. Ladies and gentlemen, where do you think the metal comes from to make your airplanes? Okay. <laughs> no, really. I want you to think about it. Now, the Lord your God detailed all these things in, you know, the first three chapters of the Bible, really. But you need to think about how it's supposed to produce thorns for us and thistles. And, of course, Christ said that that's why most of you wouldn't go to heaven. You, you don't remember him saying that? Your father cursed your turning of the ground with thorns. Your king, he told you that it is the weeds and the thorns and the thistles, the worries of this life, that's going to keep you from going to heaven. You can't get either one without turning over dirt. You can't get anything without turning over dirt. Well, and he uses a very interesting word for getting it out of the dirt. Is he, he, It's the strength. Um, very interesting word there in the Hebrew that's used. Um, but you're 100% right. And we see that. Um, the further we get from his intention, I mean, take the processed food that they sell there at the store that doesn't really need an expiration date. How much nutrition do you get out of that? <laughs> How much economic value do you get from trading in derivatives? How much value do you get from highly processed foods? I mean, the further you get away from his plan, the returns get harder and harder in reality, even as the inverse is true with what you see on paper. Right? But yet, yet we keep doubling down, right, Tim? I mean, that's just we what... We keep doubling down. <laughs> it, keeps, it keeps going and going. Um, speaking of doubling down, I've got a guest here in the chat room, Paradigm. He, he's given us... He lives in Oklahoma, and he's given us some some updates there on, on the quakes. Uh, he says that because of the frequency of quakes, there's a growing concern with fracking. And fracking is what started uh, all this oil boom here in this country. Um, he says that... that any reduction is going to negatively affect the economy, uh, which ours is largely based upon. I'm guessing he's talking about Oklahoma. However, however, I have heard an increase of around 500% in one year of quakes. Um, so that's basically 
their economy is tied to that fracking, yet that fracking is causing potential harm to those residents, but yet they can't stop because if they stop, then they're not going to have any money. It just seems like uh, you're descending down a, down a hole and you keep digging yourself into that hole. Well, yeah, that's because man doesn't respect the laws of thermodynamics. Um, man thinks that somehow we can move all of the the loss over to hide it somewhere on the balance sheet and get all the benefits. When in reality, that's nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, let's take you or me, uh, for instance. If I never exercise and I eat poor and I don't take care of myself, um, man's system says, well, we'll give you these medications and you won't have a heart attack. And you don't have to worry about your blood pressure and you don't have to worry about your diabetes and you don't have to worry about this and about that. That doesn't change those laws. They're still in place. They're still there. You've just moved the loss over to some place on the balance sheet where you conveniently uh, want to deal with it. And it doesn't matter if we talk about finance or we talk about health or if we talk about um, our spirituality. That's what mankind is constantly trying to do. That's what we're always trying to do. Just move the losses to a place to where we're comfortable with dealing with them. In order Which to usually maintain. In a, yeah, to maintain, which usually involves, hey, we'll have all those people over there, the yellow people, do all the work. We'll have them work six days a week, 18-hour days. We'll have them do that, and, and, we'll, and we'll let them pollute their economy to the place where you can't even breathe um, so as we can continue to buy T-shirts for a dollar. Trying well, to hide the loss. Well, well, wait a minute, Tim. Wonder if anybody realizes what happened January first, ladies and gentlemen. January first, China officially began to prepare for war. See, because that's the only reason why they would release that. You know that one-child policy. Yeah. Now it's over. And in the same sweet breath, we get these strange articles that the twin rate in the United States went off the charts last year. I got it posted on my social networking site and for history. It's, it's there. Scroll down. It might take you a few minutes to get there, but it's been all over the news. They call this the year of the monkey, and they're saying there's going to be an excuse. Uh, of course, an explosion in babies in China. You'd only do that for one reason, Tim, in preparation to replenish your population. So, you know, and, and it and it trips me out that that, that people don't realize. Uh, they should always look in the news for signs like this because um, whenever somebody 
messed around with the children, even the disciples, Christ lost his cool. You know that strange verse that all the eschatology experts avoid like the plague will be the pregnant women and nursing mothers. Just blows me away how these articles have come out in the same same breath. Same days. Most of these articles were released the same days about the a twin rate in the United States skyrocketing and uh, January 1st being the end of the one-child policy in China. It... Uh, Well, it ties into you know, those two years we were talking about in that article, right, Matthew? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a finance expert. I biblicate. That's what I do. I don't have time for sports. I don't have time for the stock market. I, I study the Bible. That's That's what I do. And... Tim always directed me to uh, RT News, one of the broadcasts on there, uh, the Kaiser Report. I, I just watched one this afternoon in preparation for this episode, and he gave a, a, a brilliant object lesson. Uh, he had uh, this little board that had some um, wooden objects on it, and then he had the derivative market as a a wrecking ball type thing that was on a hook that he hung it on. And it was a magical way to relay to me the information that at present moment, the derivative markets is six times the size of the entire world economy. Yep. Only one of it is real. Only one part is real. Ladies and gentlemen, the other five parts is just bets. I mean, it's it's hard for people to understand derivatives, but and I'm no expert. I'm just telling you that it's it's no reason why that Mr. Kaiser acts the way he does. He and his wife, because they realize that look. The derivatives are six times the size of the entire global economy. Now, look, what am I trying to say? They explained it perfectly. We only have one-sixth of the actual goods that have value. The derivative markets is six times that. So... The ramifications of this, ladies and gentlemen, we were – this country was nowhere close to that on October 29th, 1929. Nope. 
I mean, ladies well, and gentlemen, it, I, it was a, the, the situation. The last time this happened in 2008, it wasn't nearly the size that it is today. And at that time, right. they were shocked at that they had been allowed to go as far as it had gone, and everything that laid the groundwork for what happened in 2007, 2008, has been amplified. They've doubled and tripled down on all of those bad policies, all of those all of those mistakes. Right. So, well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, imagine this: that October twenty ninth, nineteen twenty nine, that went as deep as a dolphin could dive. Right now. We're down so far to where the light can't go. Only a sperm whale can dive that far. I, I mean, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you just can't comprehend. Everybody knows that that crash was just monumental. Everybody knows about what happened in Germany, and you can still get to... Uh, uh, you can go over there and, and rent flats in Germany, and you'll walk in and just be blown away because the walls is printed in marks. They use the marks for wallpaper. You can still get the pictures of people running down the German streets with wheelbarrows of cash. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not even a shadow of the depths of the darkness these derivatives are we it, it it's look these derivatives these bets they are six times in volume of all of the worth of all of the things that have value on this planet it's six times that size Now, here I'm going to interrupt and, you for a minute. It, forgive me, but I heard what you just said. You keep saying six, and you said volume. A volume has a length, a width, and a height. You could say that's the measure of a man, couldn't you? Yes, and once you obtain that dimension, it's time for you to have a Sabbath. Amen. And I'm trying to tell you, they've known this since at least 1967. Yep. Now, I need to try to find that article. I didn't save it, ladies and gentlemen. Me and Brian just did that that show. I don't save those links. It's finance. I don't do finance. I can't teach finance. That is not going to biblify the bride. I don't give a flying rip about finances. That cannot save the lost. It can't. So I'm going to try to find that link again that, that described those historical references, this, this, this seven-year phase of time. Uh, I know it's on moneymaster.com. I'm going to go try to find it. So I'm going to go quiet here for a minute, but... Ladies and gentlemen, I can't 
Well, let, let's change. Let's change. Let's let's move in. Let's put. Can we put that on on a pause for a minute? Because I want to. Because I, I this is a good place to interject something which I think is relevant. Um, is that okay or? Yeah, that's fine, Tim. All right, so it's the first of the year. What does everybody do this time of year? Everybody wants to lose weight. They want to read more. They want to do all these things. Everyone's making New Year's resolutions, right? That's that's what we're in January. That's what we're doing. Um, I want to remind everybody about the what well, we just talked about, the measure. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, the widow's might. Um that's a measure. Um, there's a reason why in the Old Testament everything was measured out in cubits. My cubit is different than Matthew's cubit. It's different than Jose's cubit. It's different than John's cubit. They're, my measurement's different than yours. And I'd like to encourage everybody to consider that you you really need to think and understand that he knows what you're capable of. He knows your cubit. He knows your measure. And just as he did there in Mark, he's going to do that with you. Yeah, I, I found it. I just, uh, Brian taught me how to go to history and then start typing in my my numbers. So, let me let me read this. Now, take note that the first blood moon of the blood moon tetrad uh, back before the 1967 war, it actually occurred in 1966. There is an obvious – oh, here, let me uh, – sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, this is from marketoracle.co.uk. Um, it's called Stock Market Seven-Year Crash Cycle. Uh, so what's so special about the number seven? It is uh, written by Peter de Graaf. There is an obvious seven-year cycle in economics reaching back to 49 years ago. In 1966, the U.S. experienced a credit crunch. In August of that year, the U.S. bond market suffered a serious liquidity crisis. Seven years later, in 1973, the world experienced an oil, oil embargo followed by dramatic rise in the price of oil. There were long lines of cars at gas stations. Move forward seven years. In 1980, Wall Street avoided a collapse of some of its banks and brokerages' houses by forcing the Hunt brothers to stop accumulating silver. The brokerages were shorting silver in the future markets. Now, that is a derivative. Um, where the Hunt brothers were buying contracts and taking delivery. See, that's what a derivative is. Whenever you don't take the delivery, you just buy the piece of paper, but you're never expected to get delivery. So the Hunt brothers, they were taking their deliveries. Sorry for the interruption. Uh, Fed Chairman Paul Volcker allowed uh, the COMEX to adopt a change in trading rules over a weekend. This change in rules forced the Hunts to come up with Hundreds of millions of dollars in margin money with no advance warning. Silver peaked at $49 and gold topped out at $875, while interest rates peaked at 
Another seven years passed, and in the fall of 1987, stock markets crashed around the world. Black Monday of October 1987 saw the Dow lose 22% in one day. For just a little footnote, yeah, I did say 22% about 1980 and 22% about 1987. Anyway, sorry for the interruption. Then seven years later, 1994, the, the, the bond markets crashed. Seven years passed, and in 2001, Wall Street was closed for five days uh, due to the militant Islamist attacks in the World Trade Center on New York. The Dow lost 684 points on September 17, 2001. Banks received billions of dollars of newly created money from the Federal Reserve to keep the system afloat. The seven-year cycle moved on to 2008, and we saw the subprime housing market collapse along with overnight bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers, the Lehman, the Lehman Investment Bank fell so fast, none of its employees had any idea their jobs were disappearing. The Dow lost 777 points on September 29, 2008. The banking system almost collapsed. Bank refused to cash checks except after a three-day hold for fear that the issuing bank might fail. But the U.S. Fed saved the day by massive injections of newly created cash. Not only into U.S. banks, and here it comes but also some Canadian and foreign banks. Just on a personal note, I find it funny how they separated Canadian from foreign banks. Canadian's foreign as well. But anyway, uh, the debt problem was solved with more debt. So now we're to the next seven, which he ha obviously has not written about yet. But right there you are, there's the facts. You can prove beyond any shadow of a doubt. that the ten kings that run this planet set this planet into motion in 1966 in coincidence with the Blood Moon Jubilee of 49 years. Tim, go ahead. Well, amen, and I'm looking at that article right now, and, and I see this big bull. And, <laughs> I mean... How do people not get that? Everybody loves a bull market, don't they? Because things are going up. And what does everybody say? Well, the market. The market needs to decide this, and the market needs to decide that. Have you ever, I mean, is the market ever even mentioned in God's word that that's what we're supposed to be, is supposed to decide for us? Absolutely not. When did God say that the market is supposed to decide those things? When that widow went into the temple and gave her offering, did, did he say that, well, the market determines how many mites she's supposed to give? No. No, sir. And yet if you speak to most Christian people, they will, they will tell you that um, they hate the Democrats because they want a free market, and the free market is what's going to save them. They are exactly in the condition that the Israelites were when, when Moses went up the mountain, and they stayed behind, and they decided to make a new god. Well, what's funny about that is most of them don't even know that all the Republicans vote like Democrat half the time if you check the voting record. 
Yeah, I'm not endorsing Democrats by any means. I'm just I'm just simply pointing out that when I when I speak with Christian people, um, they seem to think that the kingdom of God is 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 when you've got a Republican House, a Republican Senate, and you've got a Republican president, and we're blowing well, up the middle. That's that's the kingdom of God as far as well. <laughs> well, look, there's still two parties. I I know there's still two parties. I mean. There's Pharisees and Sadducees. I I know that. <laughs> Amen. You just you just you just called them by a different name. But those priests are paid to facilitate your worship. I I, I yeah I I uh, I understand what you're talking about. I understand why you put it that way. I mean, it doesn't okay. matter to the priest. It, it obviously didn't matter to the priest whenever they made the golden calves, right? In, refer- in, in, in reference to what you just said. No, and did the priest stop them from making an offering when they were no. buying their pigeons for whatever what, – when they had a discount? So, hey, let's go no. ahead and apologize. We'll, 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 we'll pay amends because the, the market price on pigeons is less so I can afford to – Make amends for this sin this week. I don't have to wait till next Sabbath. I can do it now. Right. The priest didn't have an objection to that, but but what did the Lord no. say? What did the Lord do when they had done that? And I bring it up because, and I'm going to go back to what I said before, um, this whole thing that's going on right now with refugees, you hear people all over the world not having any compassion or any concern over this refugee crisis. It's not their problem. And if you do any bit of reading in the Bible, just go to Judges, go to the story of the Benjamin concubine, and you'll see that before the tribe of Benjamin was wiped out, literally to the exact same percentages the other tribes were wiped out read it the manner in which you judge you will be judged and if you don't have compassion for these refugees because they're arab or because they're muslim or because you think that they're they're this or they're that um you're setting yourself up for what is exactly going to happen to you. I'd be very careful of that if I were you. Well, Thames, you, you keep bringing up here the, the widow and her her two mites that she put in there. And I see right there in that first line, it says that it's for, it's for the treasury, the temple, that these are for the offerings to God. We know prophetically what that means. Um, we know that Jesus is saying a lot more than, you know, that any any type of currency or metals that we're dealing with on the earth right now. But what what that widow cast cast into uh, into that offering uh, that offering box that treasury. Um, and God kind of reiterates that if you look there in the fourth verse there, where it says. She, all the living that she had was cast, um, and I'm reading Luke 21 here. 
but you see that word living there, I can trace that into the Bible, into the Greek Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I see it showing up seven times in the Old and seven times in the New, kind of tracing with that seven-year cycle we've been talking about. But one specific place that I'm going to go to that it shows up in is in Proverbs 31. And I'll go ahead and I'll read this last stanza for us just to give us an idea. And it's just going to reiterate what Matthew and Tim have been saying. Um, and the reason why it's going to reiterate is because Matthew and Tim's only speak what God has to say out of his word. Um, that's why they're speaking the truth. So let me read Proverbs 31, starting from verse 10, all the way to the last verse here. And this is from the, the Septuagint. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth softly trace trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and portion to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candle goes not out by night. She lays her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes fine linen and sells and delivers girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looks well to the ways of her household and eats not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excels them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. I don't know about you guys, but that's a perfect description there of that widow that Temple was talking about. And why is Boy, it man, that she? I'm sorry. Go ahead. This just matches every. This just matches everything that you guys have been talking about. I mean, it's it's just checks right along with it. Well, he says there, uh, for they all, for they all out of their surplus put into the offering, but she out of her poverty put all that she had to live on. And you should immediately be thinking of Elijah with the widow and her son. I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. And by doing so, what did she get in exchange for that? Uh, 
And literally, when you look in the word that's used uh, for put, I'm not very good with the Greek, so perhaps the two of you can help me, but the word for put, it's pretty close to the word for baptism, is it not? There, that's used there in Mark, the 12th chapter, uh, in that same description of that event? I mean, essentially, she immersed herself. Is that a fair way of me saying that, or am I off? Correct me if I'm wrong. Matthew? That'd be uh, kind of perfect if it was, right, Tim? Well, it would. Did we lose uh, Matthew? He might He might be stepped away for a second there. He's still on the switchboard, but he might have stepped away. But that that just I mean that's that's just uh it I mean it's it's perfect you know I mean I don't know what else to say about it Tim it, it's just perfect in in everything uh, in, in one little verse God here reiterates everything that He's been telling us since the beginning. Right, because it's isochronal, and that widow did the exact same thing that happened there with Elijah and the widow, um, and we just see these events repeat themselves over and over and over again, just like the seven year cycle. Right. Which I'm, I'm forgetting, but how long was that famine with Elijah and the widow? I'm forgetting. It's been a few months since <laughs> I've read it. I'm going to have to look that up now. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, how long was that famine? I mean, but she literally took the last bit of bread. He asked her for food, and, and she didn't have... This was going to be their last meal, and she, she... I mean, he's he's essentially the refugee in that situation, is he not? I mean, the brook stopped giving right. him water, and the birds stopped feeding him, and he was sent to her. And her, by the manner in which she judged him, she was judged. Well, what about this uh, this little tidbit here, James? Um we got that guest in the in the chat room paradigm brought up that the fact that Proverbs 31 verses 10 through 32 is an acrostic. Each verse there starts with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. <laughs> all of space, Gimel, all the way down the line to verse 32. So that that just uh, reemphasizes how important those set of verses are. Yes. That thing in there. We see him do that with lamentations. We see him do that with uh, some of the psalms. Um, and this is one that I had overlooked, so I'm, I'm thankful that our guests here could, could bring that up bring that up with us. But, yep, I'm seeing it right now as I'm looking at the Hebrew. Well, in the, the very next, I mean, right after you have, I mean, the famine that was going on, the, on in the land, I mean, that's exactly what we're seeing in Syria right now. You have people who have not had any uh, food in six, nine months transported into the area. People are buying, I mean, they're, they're, they're buying uh, bird dung. I mean, they're, they're whatever they can get. They're eating, they're boiling leaves. 
they're boiling leaves and, and trying to get sustenance from, from leaves. That's what they're trying to eat in part in, right. in two cities right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's right. What, what you see right there in Kings, what was happening with the, with the widow and with Elijah, it's, it's all the same thing. Which is what I, we started off with, I guess. But it's what we, we we're saying that we're living in, seeing the fulfillment of prophecy. But yeah, right. I don't know what else to say about it. You know, we just we just keep repeating ourselves. But you know, hopefully, this is new info for new listeners, um, and, and it and it's just a reminder of what of what God's saying. Uh, I think. In the past, Ems, you know, I, I've read these books in the Bible and, and kind of seen them as stories and, and you know, more or less uh, tales to to instruct us, you know, and how we're supposed to live morally and spiritually, uh, which they are that. But we can just see how how much God is actually saying uh, with each of these with with each of these verses in the Bible. Um, and 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 that's how you know that he's telling you the truth because he repeats himself over and over and over again. He keeps saying the same things over and over and over again. Um, it, it really does work out isochronally. It really is um, nothing new under the sun. God chasing after uh, that which he has already done in order that the bride can see it and can hear what God's saying and have their faith strengthened from knowing what is to come from knowing the ramifications of our rebellion from knowing how short the time is and knowing what we're supposed to be doing like that woman there in in Mark and Luke the widow like that woman there in Proverbs 31. Um, it's just almost... Uh, you, you almost run out of words to say because I, I, to me, Tim, it seems like we've been saying the same thing from the first show on the portico. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was... I mean, I was reading uh, Luke... Luke, the first chapter with my daughter before I put her to bed tonight, and uh, when Mary Mary's song says all those same uh, same things right there, um, it's I mean you just see it just repeats itself over and over and over and over and over and over. Right. And and you gain uh, encouragement from that. I mean I I know I do. Yes. I think I think that's that's the biggest thing I take, Tim, is, is I, I get encouragement from it. Um, yeah. Because I'm a little less bothered by the things that that you know otherwise would bother me quite a bit. Um, right. I mean, I'm 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 very concerned about justice in general, but there's times when I'm able to endure when I'm not treated fairly um, because I 
am able to remember sometimes that in the fullness of time, it will be as if it didn't happen. Right. Well, and I know for myself, Tim, uh, it's a reminder for me um, not to be concerned with my will, with what I want done. Right. You know, and it, and it boils down to the simplest of things that when I'm in a rush in the grocery store and there's someone, you know, you come to that intersection with another shopping cart, you let them pass. Why? Because that's... Because you're a Christian. It doesn't matter right. that you're in a rush. It doesn't matter that you were there first. It doesn't matter that the other person doesn't see you because they're on the phone. It doesn't right. matter. You know? Which, what you want doesn't matter, Tim. It's about That's an what excellent God wants. Point. And it's about what that, what that other individual that you're, you're encountering wants. Yeah. You know, um, speaking of that, you know, when this whole presidential election, there's been some things. Uh, one of the candidates has said some things about immigrants, which I took a lot of exception to, not just because I, I, I love all people. Um, but I've spoken to a number of Christian people who are all excited about his candidacy and just observing and hearing some of the things that he said about certain um demographics of this country has really bugged me um, because I'm very passionate about other people. I mean, if he was saying that about me, I, I probably could, I could stomach it. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me nearly as much, but um, yeah, I'm, I appreciate you reminding me because it makes that a little easier to swallow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it really uh makes a whole lot of things easier to swallow. Um, God's gonna do what he's gonna do and we don't have to like it. Um, but we just need to remember what he's told us, what he's promised us, uh, and do the right thing. <laughs> uh you yeah. know. Sometimes so, some days it, it just takes us boiling it down to that simple point just to get through the day. And it's not easy, but again, it is the first of the year, and it's something that, um, well, if the listeners could keep me in their prayers to keep my emotions in check, um, just as I do with many of you, um, that's something I want to get better with this year is, is um, seeking justice, seeking righteousness, and being passionate about it, but not doing it in a way which which is lacks grace and take the eye off of love and onto other things. Um, that's an area for improvement for me, for sure. Right. I just Amen. seen Amen. an interesting question. I just uh, seen an interesting question come up. Um, Real quick, Matthew, <laughs> let me interrupt you. Um, We've got about eight minutes till archive. Let me give the call-in number, 347-215-6791 for anyone that wants to uh, continue listening into the archives. That's 347-215-6791. Go ahead, Matthew. Paradigm put this into the chat room. They say, I have a question. What if 
a candidate said they wanted to temporarily disallow Nazis from entering the country. Well, Nazis, same thing as a Catholic. It's a form of religion. Um, a Nazi is the same thing as a Christian. A Nazi is the same thing as a Muslim. That's not what immigration is about. Immigration is supposed to be your ethnic origin. It doesn't matter what your religion is. It never has. Your immigration policy is directly tied to your citizenship wherever you come from, not your political beliefs, correct, or, or, or am I wrong? I guess I could right, be wrong, but... Right, and I, I think, and here's what, here's what I would say. Uh, if someone is saying they don't want somebody in the country because of uh, nation of origin of their beliefs, they're probably doing that because they think that it affects their safety. And what I would say is, is that your days are ordained. Um, if my time isn't up, I could jump out of an airplane and I'll live. It, um, I have the number of days that he has ordained for me, and there's nothing I'm going to do. There isn't anything I'm going to do with foreign policy that's going to change the number of days that he has allotted for me. Um, there, just, there just isn't. And, yeah, and and I agree with that wholeheartedly. It, it just uh, the question took me by surprise because, uh, you know, I thought that our our immigration laws were didn't have anything to do with their religion. Or, or or what they were. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's right. Although, if someone is a threat, I mean, part of that process is a, is to evaluate if someone is a, is a threat, um, and uh, if someone is a, is a known terrorist, of of course they would not be allowed to immigrate. But the problem well, is, is when you assume that because someone's from a particular region that no. they are uh, going to do those things. Well, um, let's take something like uh, the Irish. They are most certainly bloody terrorists. I mean, they've blown up children, you know, yada, 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 yada. And they're all Catholics. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, understand, I mean... If you're a terrorist, that's really got nothing to do with your religion. If 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 you're a terrorist, you're a terrorist. Of course, for security reasons, we would uh, have to look at the history and see if this particular Catholic had been involved uh, with the uh, what's that Irish terrorist group's name? The IRA. IRA. Yeah. Yeah. IRA. I mean. Yeah. So I mean, we don't ban. Irish Catholics from coming here, we we probably check their their record, right, to make sure that they have a clean record to go in. So I perfectly agree with that. Checking somebody's record to right. make sure, you know, they're not they're not criminals. But uh, well, how about just, this? How you know, about the reality that I mean, why is it? And I know the answer to this, but why is it that NATO? And uh, Saudi Arabia and some of these other um, military forces, why haven't they put safe harbor zones in Syria and protected them so that the refugees didn't have to leave the country? Well, because that obviously wasn't the agenda. Absolutely. 
that that obviously is not what they had in That's mind. Not the, right. It's not about protecting people. And and keep in no. mind that, that that there are many different ethnic and religious groups inside of Syria. You have the Alawite community, you have Sunnis, you have Shias, you you have Christians, you have Druze, you have Kurds, you have many different ethnic groups. They don't all walk in one direction. Right. It it just needs to depend on whether they have a criminal record or not. Right. Now someone's going to say, well, how do you you validate that in 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 a war zone? Well... Why are we not providing safe harbor zones where people can begin, you know, functioning as an economy? Why, why don't we have? Why haven't we made a no-fly zone and protected it behind a certain uh, location and protected that so that these families could get there and be safe? I mean, you have entire well, I- wagon trails of people that can get to Turkey. And well, there's no protection? Well, Tim, I also have to say this about immigration. It's always been women and children first. Yeah. Now, now that I do have a problem with. I understand that uh, here, here Paradigm uh, threw in here um, what percentages of young males compare to other demographics of the Syrian immigrants. That's uh, the point I'm trying to make. They're twenty percent. Mean, just to answer the question, they're they're twenty point seven percent of the immigrants well, to Europe are are well, male. Well, I don't care. Okay, I'll, I'll just be blunt with you. I really don't care. This is what I do care about. Historically, even when it comes to sinking ships, we we're all aware that women and children first. Right. When you go into a burning building, the firemen are on standing orders. Women and children first. Yeah. Okay. There is no consternation with that. So I'm not sure why I put this in here. And paradigm, I don't follow the news. I don't know what you're talking about. But um, I certainly agree with what Tim is saying that we should have sent up a no-fly zone and safe harbors uh, for family. Uh, so we should have been looking uh, for women and children first, and then the only Males that would have been included in that would have been just like on the Titanic. Um, you know, are you the uh, husband of this woman, and are you the father of this child? So yes, I, I understand. I understand that I didn't. I don't know what he's referring to. I guess he's saying that there's a bunch of just young men that are that are immigrating, and that doesn't. Well, well Matthew and Tim's. I guess the, the the question then for a Christian would be. Are you willing to take in those those starving, those hurting women and children in Syria and put yourself at risk for the possibility of, you know, terrorists coming in among them? What what is our concern as a Christian? Any threat to our life, any threat to our our our, our living, our, our livelihood? Or should our concern well, be those that are in need? It should be those and, who are and, in need. And I, I only see, yeah, exactly. And and if that if that means that my family's put at risk or I'm put at risk, you know, well, I know the promises that have been given to me if I do the right thing. 
So, I mean, this is, you know, this is, and this is something that's come up in my work I, with, you know, Christians at, at work talking about the refugee crisis, talking about what certain candidates are saying, and, and you know, it's, are, are you that afraid of, of, you know, any harm to yourself that you're going to refuse to help someone in need? The reality is is you're not going to suffer any harm that he hasn't authorized. Well, I... I certainly agree with all of that. Um, But in this this situation, I I guess I would... uh, The males that are military age, if they would go into the safe zone or these camps, shouldn't they report to the government for duty because they're in a wartime situation? Well, absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what you could do. You could put a no-fly zone, and you could take the men and say, okay, you're going to help defend this. So here's the no-fly zone, and uh, 50 miles in front of that, or 25 miles, or 10 miles, or whatever it is, you're going to serve and protect this uh, quasi-border or safe zone and you'll go home every two weeks for seven days, and then you'll go back to protect the, the safe zone and mix mix them, teach them how to fight, and defend those locations. You could have done that. They didn't do that because they don't care about those people. Right. I, I, I see your point. It's just um, – There are know, solutions. What, what, there are common-sense solutions to these problems which don't have to compromise – national security um, for other nations if you actually care about people. I could come up with 10 of them tonight if you want me to, and I'm not all that smart, but I could come up with them. But the reality is is that nobody cares about those people. Amen. And they are people. Yes, they are, and, and we're supposed to treat them accordingly. I was just – I mean, I wasn't disagreeing with you in any way, shape, or form. I was just uh, trying to understand uh, the point of view that paradigm was coming from. That's all. And I'm not trying to suggest that that perspective that they're putting out there or the questions that they're raising aren't fair or are unreasonable. It's a fair question, but at the end of the day – there are solutions to these problems which are compatible with protecting families. There are things of, that we can do, and we're not doing that, and Absolutely. we're not doing it for a reason. And Absolutely. by not doing that, you further radicalize that entire region. Well, worse than that, because we have, are a part of this government that has done that, that blood is on our hands. Yeah. So it's 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 really a whole lot worse than that, uh, because at the end of the day, the Lord our God is going to bring us into a reckoning of that. Yeah. He's, he 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 is going to want to flatly know why. Right, and when you say I didn't want them here because I thought they were a threat, he's going to threat. He's going to say, Have you not considered? so-and-so that kept them hidden in Germany in the 1930s, 1940s, at great personal peril. 
because there were many Christians who did house the Jews at that time. In basements, in barns, in attics. Amen. I'm not... I'm not... (laughs) I'm not debating with what a Christian should do. I was just trying to come to terms with uh, what well, I guess our country in particular, what we should do legally to, uh, you know, not only allow Syrian immigrants. I mean, I really don't care about about Syrian immigrants. This is about immigrants. I mean, would we? I mean, if we're treating the Syrian immigrants differently than we do Canadian immigrants, then I got a problem with it. A real problem. If we're treating them different than we do the Mexican immigrants, then I've got a serious problem with it. But uh, this is a mute point in the kingdom of heaven. Right. It's a mute point. Um, we are to act. I mean, what would Christ do with these people? Okay? That's the only thing that we need to figure out. Well, we already addressed it. We, we said what it, if, if, that, if that is a legitimate rebuttal to doing it, what would that logic have done when Elijah showed up and said, bake me a cake? That logic would have said, this is the last of my oil and the last of my flour, and it's for me and my son. I have to take care of me and my son first. That's not what she said. That's not what she said, and that's not what she did. So do we want the kingdom of God, or do we want the kingdom of self? Do we want... Amen. does, does, Does might make right? Or... Does mercy and compassion lead us back to the kingdom of God? Which is it? I will not debate with you concerning that matter. The the straight and narrow is paved. It is paved with mercy and compassion. And great personal cost. That's right. Yeah. What did he say in James? When you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And if you're waiting and expecting the return of your heavenly father, it cannot happen until you make your paths straight. And your paths are not going to be made straight if you're putting yourself first. Right. I mean... The people who put down those leaves, when he made the triumphant entry, they put themselves at great danger. The soldiers who were there occupying Jerusalem, do you think that they liked that? Was that a safe thing for a Jew to do, to put, those, to put that down? Was that in their best interest to do so? If they were concerned about their safety, that road is always going to be paved at great personal cost. And we've talked about that extensively. Including the 144,000. 
Maybe we need to do that again. Maybe we need to talk about that road. It doesn't turn to the left or to the right. It doesn't have situational ethics. And those materials that are used to construct it and the actions that were used to construct it are quite magical. Maybe we need to do another show on that. Sorry, mm-hmm. I get a little bit emotional about it. <laughs> That's definitely something we need to cover. Definitely uh, something relevant for today in light of all these events that are happening around us. Lots of winds blowing in either direction that could knock us off course, but we're supposed to do like Tim said, stay on that straight and narrow. Real easy to to look after yourself. Real easy to only be concerned um, with what's going to get you through today. But that's not what we're called to do. That's not what Jesus told us uh, in Matthew chapter 5 when he went through the Beatitudes. That's not what God told us uh, when he gave us the Ten Commandments. So that's, that's, that's the... That's the reason why we need to be strengthened as Christians. That's the reason why we need to, to have our iron sharpened um, to get us through these times, strengthen our faith. Matthew, I asked Jose when you were when you were gone about the word "put" there uh, that's used uh, to describe the widow's offering that she put in there in Mark. Um, I'm not very good with the Greek at all, but uh, that word, if if my memory serves me correct, it's very close to the word for baptism in the Greek, is it not? Did we lose him again? No, I'm here. Yes. I don't think he wants to, yes, it is. He wants to answer your question. <laughs> Ex- excuse me, Jose? What'd you, what'd you say? I said, I don't think you want to answer Tim's question. <laughs> That's the second time you've asked it. Yes, that Greek word for place is uh, very similar in its etymology to the word uh, to be dipped, to be baptized. Um, and that needs to be a show all in itself because people don't know where that's at in the Old Testament. They have no clue because they've been separated out. They they don't realize that the Bible's in their hands, no matter what. It's got the Old Testament in Hebrew and the New Testament in Greek. So no matter what, you can't see from one end of the heavens to the other. Well, and I you mean, can't I don't be care. pleasing to him if you aren't going to be fully immersed in that which is right. comes at great personal cost at times. That's right. That's exactly right. But uh, to take a look at that word, to understand what it means, <laughs> and to look all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to you know Genesis, to look and see where that's used, is absolutely mind-boggling. Very well, let's annoying. Do it. Let's, let's do it. I don't run this show. Jose does. <laughs> that's up to well, him, not me. 
you know, it, it's funny we're talking about that. I had this experience earlier today uh, with my little one. Um, starting this, you know, after the Christmas break, we I, I want her to work on her writing and her communication skills. So she has a journal, and one of the things that we do at night um, when she comes home is we write in her journal together. And today when I picked her up from school, I'm looking through her bag to make sure she had everything, I saw her journal in there, and I said, "Why did you take your journal to school?" That's, she said, "I decided to do that over my recess. She's in second grade because I wanted to be able to have more time to enjoy you when I got home." I, I, I it, it totally blew my mind. I mean, she wanted, she took time from her recess to do that so she would have more time when she got home to spend with me. Needless to say, she was very, very pleasing to me today. May it ever be so. May she never be like the likes of you and I that spent a vast majority of our time being quite unpleasing to our father. Man. By the way, I thought John was going to join us. He's having trouble with his wireless headset. So I don't know if he's in the chat or not cuz I'm not on the on the website, but and I apologize to the the person that posted the question. My emotion is not directed at you. And that's something I need to work on. Uh, I will be the first to admit controlling my emotions is an area of growth for me. And if you could keep me in prayer, please do so. Um, I'm very passionate about certain things, um, as you can clearly hear in my voice and in my intent with some of the things that I say. Um, and none of that is directed at you. So, quick question here in the chat room, Tim. Are, are you speaking about that Greek word, balo? In that in that verse with the widow, uh, put the widow came and put in uh, two small copper coins which make a penny. Um, yeah. And when I was trying to look at the etymology of the word, I'm not very good with the Greek, but it, I noticed that it was very close to the word for baptism or, or immersed. And I have to believe that part of the root of the words are, is related and has to do with that immersion because that's literally what she was doing. She took all that she had, and she gave it to the treasury, which means that she was all in. I mean, like if she was sitting down and playing poker, um, she took her last two chips, and she was all in. Just like the widow was in the Old Testament with Elijah. She was all in. Um, my oil, my flour, this is all I got. I'm putting it in. And what they got back is magical. What they got back is their redemption. What they get back is everything that has been stored up for the righteous. That's when the seven skinny ones are going to swallow up the seven fat ones. That's what is waiting both of those women. And I hope to be among them. I've got a lot of work to do if I'm going to be. But that is literally a, a baptism 
or an immersion. They're all in. They're 100% committed. Maybe that's another way to say it. They are 100% committed to the cause if you do that. You're walking the walk. You're not just doing the talk. You're walking the walk when you do that. I mean, we've all been there. We've been in the place where someone, I've been there before where I've been driving and the homeless person is on the side of the road and has with the sign up and saying, I'm, I'm hungry. And I've, I've got $5 to my name and that's always difficult. Do I go and buy a sandwich and give it to this person? Or do I keep that $5 so that I got enough gas for tomorrow? I've been in that situation. And there have been times when I've given it to the homeless person, and there have been times when I've kept it for myself. Well, just Tim's just looking, just looking here on that stanza there in Mark twelve forty-four. Strong says that that word "balo" shows up here six times in that stanza, but looking at the Greek, that's six different separate spellings of that word, and those will all take you all different directions. Well, what about so the word just, "put"? Well, the, the translation <laughs> exactly. I have says says "cast," but. I'm pretty sure that's the, if I search out the different translations, I'm sure, yep, uh-huh. money, yep, it's that, it's that same word. It's Balo. <clears throat> it is Balo. Yep, that's what Strong says. <laughs> yeah. G- and G906, yeah, but. and yeah, boy, if you look prophetically into that, uh, well, like you said, uh, how many different ways can you find it spelled in this stanza, Jose? Six, six different ways, Matthew. That's right, six different ways. Oh, yeah. So, uh, like I said, I mean, now you're beginning to see, uh, well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, yet. Um, yeah, uh, uh, update. Uh, that That's seven, guys. <laughs> Jose's just learning how to I, count here. <laughs> that's seven. <laughs> It, it, you know, it goes all the way to Revelation chapter 18. It goes all the way to Revelation chapter 20. It goes all the way back. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can see it everywhere. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's why I said... Um, just chasing that word down would be an entire show in of itself. Well, it's the it's the same word that is used when Moses cast the uh, the right. uh, cast, uh, the the speckles uh, the particles into the into the water. It, it, right, that's the same version of that word is is used there. Right. <laughs> oh, Tams. Uh, You know what? That's up to Jose. Well, I mean, that's... um, You're asking me a three-hour question. (laughs) (laughs) I always know know better than to uh, uh, ignore my brothers, Matthew. So, yeah, this is definitely something we're going to have to get into. 
Um, especially because it's all surrounding that widow and her two mites. Right. Two mites? Very, very prophetic. As in, like, yep. Didymus? <laughs> well, you know, Tim, Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. Yeah. Yeah, he sure did. It's... Well, it will teach you where to purchase your oil. That's what it'll do. So, guys, we've been on here for how long now? Going about two and a half hours now. Um... Guys, about ready to wrap it up, or something else you want to get into, Tim's? Matthew, something you want to share? No, I'm. Tim's. Again, I don't. I I hope that that um, poster uh, accepted my apology. I I did not mean to be offensive. Yep, looks like you did, Tim's. You're you're good. You're cool. Matthew, anything anything you want to cover tonight? We've covered quite a bit right now. I mean, the whole gamut of what's what's going on in the news. Uh, got in a little yeah, bit of scripture there. I think we've left everybody with a pretty full plate, haven't we? Yeah, yeah man. We got to get back to the timeline. Um, which is very clear there in Egypt. Um, some other things. Um, I want to do a show on Ephesians 6, um, just to give everybody kind of an update there. Um, he gives you the list of rulers and powers and principalities and authorities. And um, I think we could do a very interesting show on showing um, where those words are used in the Old Testament. And uh, very interesting You'll see it right there in Genesis, and it will help you understand things like he's the chief cornerstone, or uh, it will help you to understand the way that things are structured. I mean, even even the universe itself, there are there are four primary um, forces that act on all matter: uh, strong nuclear, weak nuclear, electromagnetism, and gravity. And it'll be fun. We'll do a show on that. Um, we need again, and we'll get back into Joseph and his brothers and show the isochronism of that. Uh, I'm working on getting someone who is on the border in Turkey and Syria to come on and talk about the situation there because it's very prophetic and it will be it'll be very edifying for all of us if we can get um, a better understanding of the situation and how we can help. Um, at the end of the day, what's important is is that we're a help to people. Um, so those are some of the things that that I um, want to do um, early this year. Um, and of course, I know Jose, you've got some things, and Matthew, you'll have other things, and John will have other things that, that they want to do as well. But those those are my things. Yep, all of that sounds sounds good, Tim. It's definitely stuff we need to cover. Um, still got I got all my notes together for that little study uh, uh, Matthew had me working on. So we're going to do that here shortly. Um, that's. That one that which that's one? one that blew me away just doing that study. Which um, one? 
let's see, uh, G5333. Right. Well, we still haven't done, uh, we still haven't finished the Harpazo either, have we? Or did we? <laughs> no, we have not, Matthew. Nope. <laughs> okay, so so which we one are you talking about there, Bubba? Because <laughs> you're way, I, because you're like a couple of laps behind by now. Amen. Well, he's been. I, I, Jose, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw you completely under the bus, but, but Jose's son is um, at a very tender age, and I, I, I called him last week to tell him he needed to be paying attention to something. Um, Jose's got some things to to be keeping his mind on at home, <laughs> where his where his boys are concerned. Not doing anything wrong, but just you know, naturally, as as you transition from a boy to a man, uh, your 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 focus and your interests kind of change a little bit. And <laughs> uh, his son is uh, well, the fairer sex. He's he's. Uh, He's starting to take an interest in whether he realizes it or not. <laughs> so, well, that can certainly part the waters, can it? Holy cow! <laughs> I don't mean to embarrass you, Jose. So please forgive me if that's embarrassing. But yeah, no, yeah, um, it's just you know, when you start talking, Tim's uh, stuff tends to happen. So that that you know, that's that's just what I think when I hear you say stuff. So I better listen and I better pay attention. I better start. <laughs> hey, man. All right, that's enough, guys. God bless. Godspeed. God right, bless. Thanks, Matthew. Tim, do you want to say your say your goodbyes? Um, good night, everybody. I I love you all. Please keep us in your prayers as we uh, keep you in ours. Um, and uh, you know, the best place to keep up with all the stuff that's happening is to open up your Bible and spend some time with him because he'll tell you right there what you need to be keeping your eyes on. Yep. Amen, Tim. Um, want to thank all the guests for joining us. Uh, thanks to uh, paradigm for all that input. Um, you know, all that conversation stuff that we definitely need to be talking about. Um, keep be keeping your eye here on, on the portico. Uh, we'll, we'll start getting some more shows together. Uh, and start bringing uh, all this stuff that we really need to be talking about um, as Christians, all these things that we need to be concerned about, keeping our eye on what the Lord wants us to see, keeping our heart in the right place, keeping our uh, eyes in Scripture, and keeping our ears uh, listening to our brothers um, help kind of keep us in check. So. Thank God Amen. for all of that that he's provided us. Um, thank God for our families. Um, so thanks, everyone. Um, we'll see everyone here uh, on the next Portico. And uh should be some good stuff. So good night, everyone. Amen. Thanks. Good night.